America. My name is I'm Yosef Frimpong, and I come to you live every Friday about this time to give you the news. And not just the news. I try to deliver a quality of political content that will help you rescue meaning from your life, lest you squander. And having been to one or two really kind of dubious funerals, you're welcome. And when I say dubious funerals, that's just a funeral where people don't really have too much to say about the person who was just put in the ground. That happens. You laugh, but you know you go to a few of those and you realize, you know, that's a st those are the stakes. So I'm trying to rescue that, rescue your, uh, rescue your life from that possibility. Once again, you're welcome. If you like what I do, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars. While people come in, uh, I I want to say I got some good. I had a good morning. This I woke up, did some. A few hours of philosophy before the kids were up, went for a run, came back, uh, worked out what I was going to talk about on the show on the run, and then, you know, I'm homeschooling my zillion kids, so we did that, and everything kind of went well, so I'm pretty, pretty happy so far. I'm also, <laughs> I'll be happier when the schools um, open up in person. I am not doing the online class because that is horrible, um, for at least me. Maybe it's good for you, but I would not. I do not want my kid on Zoom for that time. So I'm just teaching to myself. And would you believe they are actually picked up a few grade levels on their peers over the last year? But it was funny. A few months ago, I went to the doctor and you know, I hadn't stepped on a scale since before the pandemic. And would you believe I had gained quite a bit of weight? And I saw that number and it was uh, shocking. I was shocked. And I told the doctor, I was like, wow, I thought if I gained that much weight, my clothes wouldn't fit anymore. She's like, well, you do wear stretchy things, to which I nodded, I do, <laughs> which I do. So I gained this, a ton of weight. And, uh, you, know, you know, my numbers weren't good for cholesterol and stuff. Well, they weren't great. They weren't bad. I'm not on any pills or anything, but they weren't great. So I had to, uh, you know, I wanted to, I, I want to keep delivering uh, both parenting for my kids and wisdom for the people. So I, you know, I, put, I started exercising again. And I started running, and when I started running, my, my left hip started hurting. Now, usually I had some right, I was a triple jumper in, in high school, and um, my, the backside of my right back isn't as, was never as strong as it could, could be uh, because of it. I, I don't regret any of it. For a little bit, for like 10 minutes, I had the long jump record at my little high school, 21 feet, 11 and a half inches, and uh, I was a, a, a triple jumper, and so... My right side of my back has never been great, but like you know, I've run some marathons and and I I, I move fine. Uh, but my left hip was hurting, and I'm over forty, so I don't really know at this age if it was because I'd become a fat ass. It was because I had lost muscle, because you know, <laughs> this is a few months ago. My shape was not recognizable to at least me, and or was it because? I am just old and have like a bad hip. But today, I, I'm, I'm happy to announce, as of at least this morning, I finished my run and um, there was no pain. I've also lost about 15 pounds since that fateful weigh-in. Um, so, uh, and I, you know, I do my sit-ups and I do pull-ups and stuff like that. So I, I'm just, I'm just, so it's muscle, thankfully. And I think in about, 10 or 15 more pounds, I'll just be flying again. And I'm not, put, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of watching what I eat. Uh, well, I wasn't watching what I eat at all. Not, that was a problem. So I'm kind of watching what I, yeah, I'm over 40. So I, that's, it's no big, no big, no big deal that I have to kind of watch these things. And um, 
So if I, I once I lose about 15 more pounds, probably in, I'm not doing it in any rush in about two months, slowly over the course of two months, I feel like I'll be flying not only painless, but free. Now, mind you, I am over 40, so I do not go side to side. I'm a distance runner now. I, <laughs> I do not. I, I feel like lateral movement is for people under 35. I had a friend who was, um, I had a friend who was playing softball and they were running bases and popped their Achilles heels running bases. I do not want that to be me, black people. I am not. I, so I do not. I do not do lateral movement. Lateral movement is for the youngins, <laughs> and I have no shame about that whatsoever. Now that. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, so now that it looked like I'm gonna, I'm not, my, I don't have a, a bad left hip. It turns out I just, uh, you know, need to keep strong. I, uh, good news. I'm not gonna. My life, my life's pretty good. My life's dope. I do dope things, and you should too. Also, just don't gain a bunch of weight. If you don't gain a bunch of weight, you don't have to lose a bunch of weight. Right? And if you don't have to gain a bunch of weight, then everything's easier on your body. So I'm just not going to gain any more weight like ever again in my life. And uh, I'll be fine. Right? And, and I just, you know, keep it moving. Keep it moving. So today's show is about the dangers of immediate politics. And it's not obvious. Well, so it's not obvious why the politics of immediacy and the politics of urgency is, is necessarily a bad politics. Because we all have immediate needs, but immediate needs are not necessarily meaningful ones. Um, you know, you can immediately have to, to go to the bathroom, and that's not necessarily... And if, but you don't want to organize your life or your day around having to, to pee. So just because something immediate does not, mean, does not mean that it's important. It could be a meaningless condition for doing important work. Right? It could be the condition itself is meaningless, but the important work... That you need, uh, you know, that the, the condition taken care of that will enable you to do is actually meaningful. But if you live your entire life um, dealing with the immediacy, you're going to be unfree in a, a few different ways. And I'll explain it more after the hit the intro. But one, you'll never dictate the um, your action. It'll be the character of the struggle, the immediacy of the struggle, the character and the immediacy of the struggle that dictates your action. So it'll never be of you. So not only do you not want to your life to be completely uh, dictated by uh, immediacy. You don't want people you're dealing with lives to be dictated by immediacy because then you're vulnerable to their immediate, <laughs> to whatever might um, inflict them. Like, you're not, they're not free to enable you in a free way. Rather, you now are hostage to whatever immediately controls them. This is why not only do you not want to be an addict, but you don't really want your friends to be addicts. Also, it's not just that you don't want to be socially vulnerable. You don't want your friends. It's always nice when your friends have good jobs. <laughs> They're not hitting you up for money. They're not in desperate straits. And also, since black life, since we're so vulnerable, and almost immediately so, that means that it, it's actually um, a rational, a rational play to distance yourself from like the plight of the immediacy and the urgency of black problems because you don't want your life dictated by immediacy and urgency. So you just want to get the people whose lives are dictated by immediacy and urgency out of your problems. So this is why other groups alienate themselves from us, right? 
Because even if they, they're they not racist, they just don't want to deal with our vulnerability. Um, they're, not, they're not racist. Yeah, but that's a form of racism since our vulnerability has political um, uh, antecedents and political solutions. So it's just a, it's a functional form of racism. So I'm going to hit the opening and then we'll do a deep dive into this. Against immediate politics, if you want meaning in your politics or life. So I'm back. This week in my class, I was teaching Maslow's higher uh, Maslow's the theory of human motivation, and he goes over there's a, a hierarchy of needs where he says like, well, you know, what motivates people first is physiological needs, and then needs for safety, and then needs for esteem, and then actually. Uh, yeah, self-actualization is, becomes the most important thing. Only it, it becomes relevant only after these other needs. And and I suggested to the class that this was a lot of propaganda, right? You need to be free all the time. You need to be free all the time. There's no like I only care about freedom once I'm full. My belly is full. No, I need I I I need to be free all the time. I can only do something about it once my belly's free uh, full. But I need to be free all of the time. So just giving me food um, and saying, well, you're satisfied now. That's not, that, that was never going to be the solution. No, I need, I need the power for self-actualization. And you, don't, and you worry about this kind of psychology because it turns freedom and uh, real self-determination into a luxury good. And it also, and, and you don't want that. You want everybody to free. You don't want freedom to be a luxury good. And most dangerously, it gives everybody an out. Right, because an out for struggling for justice, right? Because nobody, if things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs like becomes like just taken as some sort of fact, then nobody, everybody has an excuse to ignore your justice claim because it becomes irrational or inhumane to um, uh, or abnormal to actually sacrifice their job or their anything for your justice claim. So then it excuse the conditions for justice, um, and since justice is going to be an interactive phenomenon through certain institutions, it skews the conditions for institutional justice. Because now it's never in anyone's duty to actually uh, struggle for justice if it would jeopardize anything in their life, right? So, um, I, I, you know, I think we have to understand that we train people it's a, it's a part of propaganda. We train people on what they're supposed to be upset about. We train people about what they should be satisfied. We train people in what they should be satisfied with and what they, sh what they have to be upset about. And um, Maslow's telling you that other people don't have to be upset about your, the injustice that indirectly affects them and directly affects you. And that they don't have to do anything about it if it jeopardizes you know, anything in like their esteem, their safety, or their uh, physiology. So, I mean, that means, that means Martin Luther King and all the civil rights leaders and, and Jesus and Socrates, all of them were irrational. Founding fathers, because you read the Declaration of Independence, it's pretty much a suicide pact. Turns out they were all irrational, according to Maslow. Right, so, and, um, and the guy who self-immolated in order to start 
the Arab Spring, he was uh, he was irrational or inhuman or something like inhumane. And like so, the idea that Maslow either gives a descriptive theory about how, how people do act or how people sh- or a normative theory about how people should act in both cases it's false. So what does it do? It's propaganda to make sure that the people who could help you out now have an excuse not to help you out. And black people, that's 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 it. It, it gives you, and that's why it's taught by the that middle class of of, of white professional um, who who could help you out, but then it would take jeopardizing her job, and that would be that's not something they do because you know Maslow, right? So there's this idea that you don't care about justice um, until your immediate needs are concerned. No, it's that you always care about justice. It's just that you also care about the immediate needs being taken care of. <laughs> like the, the just because justice isn't immediate and urgent doesn't mean that it's not always the most important thing. And if you let your life be dictated by what is immediate, then your life will never be free. It'll always be dictated by what the character of of what's immediately and what's immediate and urgent, right? So it'll, it's a recipe for meaninglessness in a few different ways. And even kids know that. People say that like, well, you know, you just look at kids and obviously that food and safety, all these things are most important. But you know what? If you look at kids or if you at least deal with my kids, they care about what's fair. As, long, as soon as they can figure out the world, they care about what's fair. Because you have to understand there's no real difference to them between justice of an object's behavior and justice of a person's behavior and fairness in the object's behavior and fairness of a person's behavior. That's why, that's why, why my, uh, my four-year-old, right, he'll be building a tower full of blocks and if he like, makes a mistake and it all falls, he feels betrayed. He feels betrayed and defrauded by the blocks, by gravity. Because like, part of, like, he gets ticked. Like sometimes he just tears the whole thing down because he feels betrayed by gravity. It's a real betrayal. And that's the same kind of sensibility they bring into like fairness in interactions. Part, it's, a, it's, it's a function of reason in general that expects the world to be like just, <laughs> right? It's, it's an affront to reason and understanding. And like even, even for a, thir- a, th- a three-year-old or four-year-old, when the world is not just. So as much as they care about hunger, they also care about justice. And they are trained not to overreact to injustice. They are trained not to overreact to, um, um, uh, yeah, to injustice and which injustices are okay and which ones not, aren't. This is a part of the acculturation. There's a, like masses and masses of people like masses and masses of dollars go into training Americans to be casual about injustice, especially when, a gar- when, a- when race is available and, and um, you know, black people are the victims, right? It, you have to be trained, and we do train people. And one of the ways we train people is... Oh, you know, one of the ways we train people is that we teach them that like Maslow is some sort of genius, insightful, whatever, right? That's one of the ways we train people to like say like, well, you know, I care about justice, but I don't, uh, obviously, obviously, I care about like, you know, you know, my job more, right? But it's not as if 
Like, if you care more about your job than you do about justice for black people, then you don't really care about justice for black people, and black people will never get justice. Like, that's, that's the case. Also, depending on who you talk to, talking like this makes me down white unemployable. So I'm going to need you to go scoot over to www.funkyacademic.com, share this video with all your friends, and kick in 5 15 or $50 a month because I'm giving you the quality of knowledge that you didn't get in college, but you should have. You should have gotten this in high school too, but you didn't. But you can get it here every Friday. You're welcome. And I like my thanks in cash. <laughs> well, you know, I got I to gotta pay for things. Right? So... And um, you have to understand that immediacy is the enemy of freedom because if uh, self-determination, because then your actions and thought are going to be determined by whatever is immediate and not yourself. So if you're just running from immediate concern to immediate concern to immediate concern, none of that adds up to freedom. None of that adds up to freedom. Someone asked, what's my cash app? I'm gonna, I'll put it in the description after the video's going. I, I just got it. Right, so running from immediate, a life full of immediate concerns, dealing with immediate concerns, does not ever add up like, to freedom or self-determination. It actually adds up to a life of being determined by external conditions that have then immediately like, made themselves known to you. So you need a space for freedom. You need mediation for freedom. And you need to deal with people and things that are themselves mediated by freedom so that they can accommodate themselves to you on your terms and not by whatever immediately uh, um, is, is troubling them. But, so be very, be very suspicious of people who are always talking about immediacy and emergency as a dictate and as a condition for their politics. Because the character of whatever action or thought that comes out is going to be dictated by whatever external um, uh, problem or urgency is guiding them. It's not going to be dictated by the needs and conditions of your freedom, of your emancipation. Right. So when I talk about you know, the importance of the, the, the dangers of immediacy, it's not that I... Think I, I I don't I'm not some Puritan who lionizes hard work for hard work's sake or um, uh, patience for patience' sake. It's like no, I it's I care about freedom and you need immediacy for freedom. You need to be emancipated from immediacy in order for in order to be self determining. And you need to interact with things that are emancipated from immediacy in order to be for them to be self determining. All right. So I hope this has been helpful. Um, you know, I wrote up something. I was working some of this out. Uh, all right, so you don't want yeah these things like uh, physiology and all of that. These are um, they might be enabling conditions, but they're fundamentally meaningless enabling conditions. That means you could deal with all of them. You could deal with your safety concerns. You can deal with your um, uh, you know physical concerns, and you could still end up by ministering to all of those different things, end up just living a meaningless life because none of it was always was by you. It was always you running from emergency to emergency. And if you come to organize your life around anything less than self-determination, you're setting yourself up for a fundamentally meaningless life, right? So there's a, I, I suspect that the study of psychology is organized around getting you to concern yourself with everything except the objective conditions of self-determination, right? They want you uh, 
to accept the world's condition. And this is part of social management, to accept the world's conditions on their terms, where you get to choose between poisons, but never actually design, never have the world actually accommodate you and your freedom. All right. You're not owed that as a matter of, of being self-determined, right? That's the world is telling you you're not owed that. The world is telling you you're owed a choice between their terms, not the power to actually like produce on your terms and be produced for on your terms. All right. So the practice of yeah, the, so the practice of a politics of immediacy will never produce freedom, and it's not supposed to produce freedom. And that's a problem. It should be a problem. And, and it's not taught as a problem because when you're vulnerable to immediate external dictates who dictate what questions you ask and, and, and the narrows the answer, then it's actually a great means of social control. right? So if you take anything from this Brief little lesson, take uh, that self-determination is as important as food, even if it's not as immediate. It is as important, right? So in a well-ordered world, self-determination, the objective conditions of self-determination should dictate everything else and should like subordinate everything else. So what do we need for people to be free? And that's what we start with. You know, they need houses, jobs, all this stuff, and productive for other people on mutually agreed upon terms. So you need all of these things for people to be free. Not, what do I need to live? And then, once I get that, worry about freedom. No, what do you need to be free? And that'll also entail what you need to live. And getting the order right is important. Because if you just start with the bottom, then you'll just be chasing this these immediate urgencies that, uh, uh, that are intrinsically meaningless but will have you will busy you for the entire year um uh, for your entire life right and also the story i told about kids is actually it's it's true right so kids care about freedom and justice because and it's an outgrowth of rationality because part of rationality is being able to make plans and use them in the world that means the world needs to be somewhat stable that means as kids develop rationality they care about fairness once again in objects and in interpersonal relationships and that's just going to be a function of rationality they care about food and they care about fa- they care about fairness and and what makes them human is they're caring about fairness not necessarily the food right so if you care about raising good humans um you know, you, you, you kind of cultivate that. And we do teach kids to accept injustice. Like the talk that people talk about, like, you know, when, when, when did your parents have to talk to you about police and do whatever they want? That's teaching kids how to accept injustice. That's pretty much when did they have the talk with you about how you're not supposed to actually be treated justly in this world, right? So that's part of the industry of, a, of teaching injustice. We teach what to be upset about and what not to be upset about, what justice, what injustice is okay, and then what injustice is intolerable. And black people should surprise nobody that injustice to black people has been, is taught consistently to people to be not only tolerated, but encouraged. So thank you for your time. I will see you next week. And I hope you're going to be very suspicious when people start always inundating you with issues of immediacy 
like they, they end up colonizing your thoughts and your actions with immediate concerns. It's just an, it's a, it's an outgrowth of unfreedom. So you need mediation both in yourself and other people for freedom because you need to be uh, removed or emancipated from urgent and dictating uh, desires and pathologies in order to be free in order to actually enable other people to be free. So you want to be removed from immediacy and everybody else wants to be, and you want to deal with people who are themselves removed from immediacy or are not vulnerable to immediacy. And you want to be very suspicious about people who always subordinate your justice claim to some one of their immediate concerns. Take care and I'll see you next week. If you appreciate the work I do every week and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more and that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time because a lot of, in a lot of ways, freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on. (laughs) And I want to be a free Negro. So, um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute. Thanks often comes in the form of cash and the site takes credit card.